Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. So welcome back to another enlightening episode of the Now Share with Dr. Dave podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Uh, today, we dive into the heart of innovation, running experiments and evaluating hypotheses. So let's start our journey. When you think about generative leaders, you know, they're the pioneers of the future, recognizing that staying stagnant isn't an option. They need to experiment and innovation is crucial. So you think about companies like Apple and Google and Amazon and SpaceX, you know, they won't be the giants without any experimentation mindset. So the benefits, innovation, adaptation, and keeping ahead of the curve. So most of us have heard of the scientific method in school. So it starts with a hypothesis. So in leadership, that translates to having a clearly defined objective. Want to launch a new product feature? Starts with a hypothesis. We're not talking about making wild guesses. We're predicting outcomes and setting ourselves up for intentional learning. So today we have Allison Pollard, yay, who's joining Hi. us. Hello, Allison. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so, I'm really excited about this conversation. Me too. And, and 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 I was like thinking in my mind, you know, Allison came from Improving Inc. and then she went to Helping Improve. And I think <laughs> her third stage is Improving Improvers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe retirement is just like improved, done. <laughs> like <laughs> everything's better. Everything is, is in a good state. Like I, I can like set it all aside at that point. <laughs> I hope so. I, I really do. Um, so why don't you just uh, give people a little update from the last time we spoke? Um, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like you said, I'm, I'm with helping improve. I'm one of the co-owners. Uh, we have a new class that we've been working on. Uh, called Managing Amazing People. Uh, that's been where the bulk of my time has been going in, uh, you know, figuring out how do we help people managers have better one-on-one -on -one interactions in the workplace. Uh, it's so critical that, you know, managers are often in the middle. They're like the connective tissue across organizations. And especially in agile um, training, they often get left behind um, or they're told like, well, now that we have a, a team, you don't need to worry about as much. Just trust the team. They'll they'll be fine. They don't really need you <laughs> um, a whole, whole lot. Um, you know, you'll remove an impediment every now and then. Um, and it often has led to managers that are very hands-off um, with the teams and more importantly, with the individuals. Uh, and that has not been serving us very well across the community. And so Paul Tabis and I um, decided you know, based on what we'd seen in organizations and especially what we've been doing in executive coaching with some of our clients, there are some core skills uh, that managers need in order to be effective. Um, and so how do they look at things as building a network of mutual support and how can they be really clear, connected and curious with their people um, that they're able to help them to grow and help them to succeed in the workplace? Um, so we've been excited to to build out those materials and, and bring it to our clients. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to hear about 
you know, all the good work that you're doing. And, and as you were thinking about, as I was thinking about managers that get left behind, you know, um, I, I guess you, you're working toward making sure people, you're, you're not telling them, go sit in the corner. Cause that's what we did with Adrian. Right? Go sit in the corner. We don't need you right now. Right, we'll right. send you some I know, food. Like, I, I, probably, <laughs> I probably did that at some point earlier in my career. I'm like, I've got this with the team. Like you can go chill out over there. Like I'll tag you in if I ever need you, like not a big deal. Um, but, but again, like that doesn't, that doesn't work all that well. Um, even if it works temporarily where the team is, uh, almost like self-managing that they are producing that, that they're getting along well enough. Um, there are some real things that managers can do with their positional authority that the team cannot do, um, that can be super useful and super needed. Um, I think especially as organizations are, needing to move faster uh, and and just keep up with the number of things happening with their customers out in the world, out in the market. Um, managers are going to be essential uh, to keep everyone connected and, and moving in the same direction. Well, let's just jump right in. As you talk about moving faster, you know, from your perspective, you know, why is adapting an experimentation mindset really pivotal for generative leadership, you know, especially in today's fast evolving uh, landscape? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. You know, I, I think early in my career, um, you know, I, I came from a project management background and, and owned a lot of the process that I started off with, like, well, let me let me go be really smart. Let me read a bunch of books. Let me uh, go learn from others and I'll come up with what a great new process improvement looks like. And I'll, I'll try to like think through all the challenges with it. And so now as like an expert, here's what I think is, is the best thing to do and, and make those recommendations or just go ahead and make those changes. Uh, there came a point though, where there were situations that I didn't know what the best thing was to do. Or more importantly, I needed so many other people to be on board with that improvement or, or with that recommendation that it actually got easier when I could lean into the, can we try this sort of approach? And as I got more into the, can we try this? It actually got into a, here's what I'm noticing. Can we try something, anything? I don't even know what. Uh, and inviting people to take more ownership of the experiments of recognizing those opportunities of defining what is the possible solution or like what is the improvement uh you know what are the next features uh that we might want to uh introduce to our customers and what does that look like so recognizing over time like oh i can't be the expert on everything uh i can't learn fast enough i can't think through all the the risks you know hard enough on my own i do need other people um, to help be part of that process. And again, especially from like an adoption perspective, inviting people to be contributing to it, um, to really be participants in the experiment from like beginning to end, it gives them a greater sense of buy-in and a, a greater ownership um, that just leads to better outcomes. Without a doubt, you know, so when you think about formulating a hypothesis, right? You know, how do you ensure that they're both ambitious enough to mm. drive innovation and precise enough to be able to, that you could test them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and because and often like when we think about innovation, it, it becomes this, 
really vague, abstract, like let's make things better or, or let's make them awesome. And I'm like, cool. I, I love the sound of awesome. I, I love better. You know, I'm, I'm improving things like I, let's help improve some stuff. But what does that look like? You know, and, and like it, it creates this for me, like energy, you know, like, oh, this sounds exciting. This is, this is kind of cool, but I don't know where we're headed. Um, and a, a lot of times with the, the clients I have worked with, you know, larger enterprises, uh, they've been much clearer on like, here's the feature that we want delivered. We've put together the business case. It might be something our competitors already have, and we feel like we're behind uh, on delivering it, uh, that they're very precise in, you know, here's the, the specifications. We know some of the measurements. Uh, we, we know some of the things that we want to test with it but it's very, very large. Uh, and so it's like, how do we go from, we want something that's awesome. It looks exactly like this to, you know, that ambition, something that that's, you know, more aspirational and that's small enough that we can test it. So for me, it, it's like, where are we today? Uh, and, and like, how do we kind of nudge things in a, in a smaller direction? Uh, you know, like what's the first thing that we would need to know from our customers? How would we, how would we check, you know, if they respond to this new feature, if this is something that they want, um, like how can we prove out that there's some value in it? Um, so it's, it's like teasing out uh, some of the assumptions and, and like finding the hypothesis behind these large features that they had already imagined. And, um, you know, we're on the verge of, of, getting many, many teams to work on delivering. Yeah, that that's so true. So let's think about something in the real world, you know, mm -hmm. from your experience, uh, where the design of an experiment made a significant difference in the outcome or insights gained. Yeah. So, so often with innovation, I, I find that there's like two different possibilities that people have in mind. There's the we're going to create something brand new, right? It's, it's a disruption. Like we're, we're going to replace, or we're going to um, create something from scratch that is going to be so amazing. Uh, it's going to attract new customers or it's going to amplify our business in some way. So there's this like disruptive innovation. And then there's the other version of we have an existing product and now we're innovating on what it looks like or how it functions. So maybe operationally we're, we're saving some costs um, or it's like going into a new market somehow. And when we talk about the design of an experiment, I, I think back to a, a team that I had worked with that uh, was responsible for a, an application used by frontline employees. Uh, and so if you can imagine, there are thousands of frontline employees that use this application as they're helping customers and uh, they're all over the world. Um, so there's a high training cost um, to this application to help those frontline employees be effective in their jobs initially. So this team that works on the application is told, we want you to innovate. And they were getting some language of, we want you to innovate and improve the operational cost. Like how might we be able to uh, onboard new employees in a faster way. So lighter training that's re re required um, for this application. But then there would also hear this language of like, 
do something that replaces the existing product. Like reimagine what the experience is for the frontline employee as they're working with customers and, and how they interact with the software. Well, this team then struggled as they're trying to come up with their experiments of, are we coming up with enhancements to the existing product? Cause that looks one way and that we would need to, you know, measure it based on the existing application and the use across all of the existing or some like significant portion of the, the current frontline employees that are using it. Or if we're creating a brand new system and reimagining what this thing looks like, we might do much smaller prototypes that are not living in production for an extended period of time. It might really be we're going to use this prototype for about an hour. We're going to interview a couple of uh, the employees, see how they respond to it and like take that information and, and feed it into like our next experiment. Um, so the design, it was like, which path do you want to go? It's very difficult to go both ways and your outcomes are going to be very different. Um, so for this particular organization, they decided we want to go more disruptive. We want to reimagine um, the experience because we do think that will help us in the longer term. Uh, but that meant that they actually went with a smaller team that could move in a, a faster manner, run smaller tests uh, and be more nimble. Uh, and that the evidence they were collecting was, again, much smaller data sets. You know, of you're interviewing about 20 employees. Uh, you're, you're testing things out for an hour or two. Um, you're finding what is useful, uh, you know, what do they respond to? Uh, and you're not trying to replace the entire system all at once. So it really was more of like a new product development kind of approach. No, that's excellent. As you, you, you brought data into the conversation, you know, there's tons of data out there, you know, from the different types of experiments, even experiments that's not ours that we right. can learn from. So how do you prioritize which metrics to focus on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, yeah. right? But don't go anywhere yet. And how do you avoid potential pitfalls of misrep misinterpreting the data? Cause that could happen, right? It can. Well, and, and again, because like I, I think to my like project management background, you know, that we, we knew, right, a, a project was expected to create X, Y, Z results. But, you know, you just kind of build and build and build and build and you deliver it. Well, often what would happen at the end, uh, we, would, we would comb through all the data available it might not have met the original business objective, right? It might not have generated, say, the, the revenue that we had anticipated in the business case, but it did some other good things. And so we're then like pulling all the other good things data and like broadcasting that of like, look at all the fancy, wonderful things that happened. You know, like we decreased the number of calls to our um, operational support center. We, you know, have, have made, this thing better, it performs um, in a faster manner. And, and just like showcasing anything that can look like success, even though we hadn't met our original goal. Uh, and, and for me, if I'm gonna run an experiment, I really do wanna be clear before I start running it, what is the metric that matters the most? What is the thing that I wanna be measuring? How am I gonna evaluate success? And, and actually be super clear of, 
you know, setting that metric of I want 70% of the users uh, to be able to complete their transaction and not be calling our, our customer support if that was the thing that was the most important. Uh, and, and hold to that, right? Once your experiment's underway and it's certainly at the end, you know, if it comes back at like 65%, there's that inclination to be like, it's like close, you know, like, can I pat myself on the back and say like, well, we, we got um, better than we were, or do we take that really scientific view and say 65% is lower than 70%. So let's talk about what the next experiment is. If it's still important to get to 70%, what is the thing that we want to try next or, or try differently um, to help us achieve that metric? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Because in science, we, we just don't run one experiment. We run right. it multiple times uh, to, to try to get to whatever that target goal is. Yeah, so yeah. it's part of our iterative learning experience, right? So uh, tell us more about a time when an experiment didn't yield the expected results. <laughs> uh, how did you pivot and what iterative learning ensued? Yeah, yeah. Um so I, I think back to when I was starting uh, the new mentorship program with women in Agile. Uh, so it, it's been a couple of years now, uh, but I wanted to take that experimental approach um, to, to building this program. And so there had already been a lot of requests in the women in Agile community. We would love mentorship. You know, it'd be great to have a mentor. And it was like, great. So we're, we're going to do this thing. Uh, and in my head, I thought, there's so many amazing Agilists who are um, so generous with their time and they have so much um, experience and knowledge to share. It would probably be awesome to do some like masterminds, some like group mentorship offerings uh, like that. That would get the maximum effect uh, for mentees that you know are, are probably like newer in the Agile space and, and they really just want some clearer answers, you know, on, on, what do I do and, and how does it look at, you know, this, this situation that I'm facing? Uh, and that again, the mentors, like they would, they would feel value of, of their wisdom, their experience, um, you know, being able to help others. Well, thankfully uh, we, we sent out a survey to the members to find out like, what do you mean by, by mentorship and what is it you're interested in? And I was completely wrong. <laughs> Um, so this was the first big aha of, you know, people actually wanted long-term one-on-one relationships. So my mastermind um, group idea was out um, and they were looking for more advanced help, I would say, um, that they were well into agility and looking at how do I take it to the next level? Um, like, how do I continue to advance in my career, become a stronger leader uh, and, and do some things that are beyond the fundamentals? Um, so that kind of led me to my, my next, okay, how do I, like, what do I need to know now? Um, so I, I've determined it's me long-term one-on-one relationships that the mentees are interested in. And it's some more, again, like sticky, challenging kind of stuff that they're, they're wanting to work through. Uh, as I thought about who I knew um, that could make ideal mentors for that, I then interviewed them and I said, what is it, um, like, what would you need or what would you want um, in order to say yes to mentoring a complete stranger <laughs> um, for six months? You know, like, what would you hope for um, or what would, 
what would make that a great experience for you? And again, the answer surprised me because I thought it was going to be, I want mentees that have very clear goals. Um, I want them to be like really motivated. Like I want to know if they have the time to, to do things, right? Like run experiments on their own. And so if someone had a, a really clear, compelling goal, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. That's the kind of person I want to work with. And instead, uh, <laughs> the interviews um, actually told me it would be really useful to meet my peers um, across the, the community, that as a mentor, as someone that is more experienced, that's in a leadership role, I may or may not get to meet people in similar positions across other companies. That would be really valuable to me. And the other thing um, that I heard was, I would love to know how to be a more effective mentor. Because um, that's not something that gets taught all that often. Um, you know, we might we might pick up a couple of tips and tricks here and there in different leadership or especially like coaching type classes. There's a lot of techniques that get pulled in. Um, but being able to, to learn alongside other mentors and, and other people, uh, you know, how can I how can I be most impactful? How can I be like a, a better positive influence um, to mentees that again, sort of changed like the program direction. So instead of only focusing on one-on-one -on -one relationships uh, and you know, like crossing our fingers and hoping for a good match, <laughs> uh, we actually decided to focus on creating a valuable experience for the mentors, uh, especially recognizing that these are women who are in leadership roles that may not be uh, represented all that frequently in the Agile community, especially. Uh, that we had a real opportunity to elevate them. Uh, and I think of it as like, how do I pour into their bucket as they then pour into others, knowing that they will have a mentee through the Women in Agile Mentorship Program, but it likely because of their position and just who they are, they're mentoring other people already in their workplace or in their local communities. So it's a real opportunity to create a stronger ripple effect um, that... I, I'm like so glad that we we took this experimental approach early on because all of my initial ideas and and again it wasn't just that I thought oh hey this sounds cool wouldn't it be fun if we did a mastermind or you know if if we then just like focus on on pairing people I was looking at what else was out there in the industry like what are other people doing in the community and I, I saw what was popular and I thought well if it's popular it must be there for a reason it must be working really well but tuning in and listening to our constituents, to our members to find out, you know, what do they really um, desire and, and like what would be most useful for them took the program in a, a different direction. You know, I, I really love that you used um, Women in Agile as, uh, as an example. You know, that's a really amazing program. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I was really appreciative of is that it not only just paired women to women, but you also started to introduce men as part of the the mentoring program in later on, which I thought was really great because, you know, we need each other. Right. It's not like we live in a little bubble of women <laughs> over here and men over there. <laughs> we all need to work together and. And, and yeah, yeah the launching stuff. the launching new voices program, like they're further ahead in that. Um, they they have found some great male allies um, to work with their proteges and and help get new speakers out there at conferences. 
yeah, I, I was just so excited to be a part of, you know, one, mm-hmm. what, you know, the one group who have done that, you know, so, so that was fun. But, you know, as we start thinking about all of these different experiments, we have to balance risk, yes. right? And, and, and for most people think, most people think that risks are things that has happened, but <laughs> risks are things that may happen. They haven't happened yet. We just have to keep our eyes on them, right? So how do you manage it and manage and mitigate risk associated with experimentation, just ensuring the safety of the organization, you know, while encouraging bold, innovative steps? It's a it's a tough one. Um, and I, I think this is where, again, my like project management background has been super helpful. You know, we had to create the risk charter, you know, and like keep track of you know, the high priority risks, the lower priority risks, you know, like what were the issues that were starting to show up? What are our mitigation plans? Uh, That when I'm working with the client and we start talking about some innovative, either process changes or innovation with their products themselves, I like to be one of the voices that helps poke holes in things. Uh, What about this? What about that? Um, You know, like let's, Let's kind of check on some different angles that could be gotchas that, you know, could be uh, things that that make this fail pretty quickly. Um, and so I, I feel like there's a little bit of like pessimism that that is needed and that is useful um, in that. Um, but at the at the same time, you do need to create this space of it's okay for us to to fail forward. Uh, and what is that going to look like? Because um, I, I think a lot of times when we are talking about innovative changes, there's not necessarily like rollback of like, and we go back to previous states, you know, like we have learned something new, things have changed, uh, and the world around us continues to change, you know, day by day, minute by minute. Um, and and so I, I tend to think in terms of like what we've learned from like DevOps and like continuous delivery, you know, of so how are we going to be able to like fail forward? You know, like what is it going to look like to be able to recover quickly? What are the things that we're going to want to notice? So it's, you know, we talked a minute ago about how are we going to have a hypothesis be testable? And, you know, what are the metrics? Those are going to be key things that we look at after we have, you know, introduced this new innovation. What is it looking like? What, what do the metrics tell us? You know, what other things are starting to show up that we had not anticipated? And how can we like come together? And this is part of the the safety of like, we're all going to be able to come together and talk about and explore, like, what is it that we're seeing? What do we make of that? How do we want it to be? And like, how do we continue to, you know, roll with this, you know, be able to advance it. It could go in a different direction than we had originally expected. And that can be really helpful. Like now we do want to pivot and we want to bring it back over this way, or we're going to take it like straight ahead. Um, but keeping the communication open and, and helping everyone to ideally look at the same information, have a lot of transparency uh, is what I found helpful um, as we are working through some of those risks and, and dealing with issues as they come up. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, as a generative leader, you know, we're, we're talking about cultivating a culture of experimentation in, in our view. So from your perspective. You know, how can a generative leader instill a company-wide culture of experimentation? Mm, yeah, I've, I've worked with some amazing leaders um, on this. I, I think at the point where 
one, they start using the language more regularly, you know, of like, what are we, what are we trying to build? You know, like, what's our hypothesis here? What are we going to measure? You know, like, what are we learning? Uh, like that creates part of it, um, especially as they themselves are using an experiment approach to addressing business problems. Like that's where it becomes a bit stickier of the culture. Like this is now the new way that we do things. Um, I had one client in particular that had latched on to sort of that like improvement kata approach, right? That is very much the like we run the experiment, we see what happened and now we like run the next one. It kept going through that iterative cycle. Um, part of it was how do we create a culture of feedback? That was something that they desired. So what were the experiments that they were running to, you know, create more feedback for themselves as leaders to be able to give feedback um, to others, how to get others to give others feedback, you know, it's like all these different directions um, that they would be able to tell you like, well, here's the thing that I'm experimenting on like this month, you know, or this week. Um, this is the thing that I'm trying. This is uh, what what I'm expecting or what I'm hoping for, um, you know, behavior wise and how I might measure it. Uh, and they can tell you like, here's how long I'm doing that. Um, I also see leaders that uh, have brought in hackathons uh, as like a practice in their organization. Uh, it's often like a special event, uh, but it gives a, a way for the organization to all participate in something that's experimental and most importantly, it gives the leaders things to be able to like point back to. So if I now want you to act more experimental in your regular product delivery, I might kind of refer to some of the things that happened during the hackathon or how a hackathon took place to evoke that new behavior, you know, like import it from the hackathon into our everyday. So what is the smaller thing that we can try? You know, how could we know in two days or less, you know, what customers are responding to? So I find that generative leaders are finding ways to model the experiment themselves, but then also like help share that experience with others um, that, that they get a sense of like, what does it mean to run an experiment or participate in an experiment? And then how do we find more and more ways of applying this in, in so many different dimensions in our work. So on top of that, so are there strategies or approaches you have found particularly effective in fostering this mindset of being a generative leader? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so for me, I, I feel like a lot of what, um, what I kind of go back to with experiments is like lean startup uh, thinking, you know, how do we build? How do we measure? How do we learn? Uh, and it's not that I need everyone to go read the lean startup book. And, you know, I don't I don't need everyone to be experts in it, but um, just understanding that cycle. Uh, and and I have also found it handy uh, to have in my toolbox, you know, like here's a lot of different experiments that can be run. Um, that that being able to propose uh, to companies, you know, like where might we want to use a landing page? Where might a waiting list um, give us a lot of evidence? You know, where can we go lighter and, and do some like customer interviews or some like customer shadowing? 
Like, what is it that they need to learn? Um, and, and like how, how accurate or like how strong um, do we need data to be able to move forward in that general direction? Um, so the, I would say the source that I found super helpful for that was testing business ideas um, by David Bland. Um, that entire book, like it's such a handy reference to keep uh, at your desk because um, it very much is, here's a whole lot of different experiments that can be run. Uh, here's, you know, like what, uh, like what factor, like what sort of like criteria are they testing? You know, is this the, the value of your product idea or is it the feasibility of your product idea, for example? Um, and then also like the strength of the evidence. Um, so I found like opening up my eyes and helping others to also see the wide variety of, of techniques or again, like different kinds of tests that we can do as experiments uh, gets people thinking more creatively about, you know, how can we move forward um, in, in trying to make some innovative changes. Wow. Wow. I, I, I just have to give you the hard questions. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> of course of course <laughs> of course <laughs> so i want to give you you know what, what do you want to leave the audience with you know you've said a lot of great stuff today and i've learned a lot um some yeah. notes i'm going to go back and take after listening to this and so mm. what what do you want to leave the audience with today um i think the I, I think the core thing for me, again, of like as as a generative leader, right, as individuals, like how are we showing up? Um, and I think back to, like I said in the first question, so often I thought I needed to be the expert. I needed to be the smartest person in the room. I needed to like figure out the design or the implementation or, you know, like how, how everything was going to like look um, initially. And then propose it to people and, and just like logically they would say yes, because it's so smart. Um, and and while some of that might've worked, <laughs> um, really and truly like that process becomes so slow and so cumbersome and it, it does not engage people um, the way that we need today as things are moving so fast um, that we need to lean into how do we invite people to experiment how do we run experiments ourselves um, so that we are able to continue to move forward and, and be able to move quickly um, and hopefully together? <laughs> so I, I very much think of, um, you know, how do each of us look at what's the thing that I need to know? Like, what do I need to learn next? What's the way that I go learn that? Um, that's quick, that's cheap, that's, that's safe uh, and use that to guide us to our next step. So awesome. So in closing, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Now Share with Dr. Dave podcast. You know, as we wrap up, I want you to remember this. To innovate and thrive, we must be willing to experiment, evaluate, and evolve. That's the, the mantra of the future-focused generative leader. And I wouldn't want to say just thank you for tuning in to the Now Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Until next time. Keep experimenting, learning, and leading from the center. I want to say thank you, Allison, always for being such an amazing partner, you know, and showing up for podcasts and, 
writing stuff <laughs> in my books. And <laughs> I love, I love getting to talk with you every time. <laughs> yeah, so much fun. <laughs> Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.